Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast in the series, The Three R's. Our big idea for today is knowledge and love must work together. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Enjoy and thanks for listening. Welcome to the second week of the three R's. And I want to let you know I had a great time last Sunday launching this series and just talking to the different groups that are represented at our church. And if you didn't have the chance to be here last week, please listen to the podcast. And you can find that at valleypointchurch.com. I really want you to listen to that because I gave some heartfelt challenges to the different groups last week, and I think you'll find them to be very encouraging. So if you missed last week, just check out the podcast and you'll be able to hear those different challenges. Now, here's what I want to do today. I want to be as transparent as I possibly can be and share with you the three things that I want for you and for us as a church. I don't want anything from you, but there are some things that I want for you and for all of us as we continue to chase what God wants for us here at Valley Point Church. And then I'm going to share some pastoral confessions with you. So, three things I want for you, and then I've got some pastoral confessions. Sounds interesting, doesn't it? All right, here's our big idea for today. And that is knowledge and love must work together. So knowledge and love, these things are very valuable and very important, and we need both of them but yet we need them working together if the church is going to move forward. And we're going to spend some time trying to figure that out today. If you have a Bible or a device, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And you can also scan the QR codes in your program, and that will bring up our piece of Scripture and all of our notes for today. We're going to hang out in one verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians is a book in the New Testament. It was written by a guy named Paul, and he wrote to a group of people. He wrote to a church, really, that was in the city of Corinth. And here's what we know about the city of Corinth, a couple of things that are somewhat interesting. It was a very wealthy city. They had a lot of money and a lot of stuff. And if you were anybody in this particular culture, you wanted to be in Corinth because that was kind of the hot spot. That was the place to live. The other thing that the Corinthians were known for is that they were very immoral. So they kind of had a reputation. So they were wealthy, they had money, and they had stuff, but they were also somewhat known for being immoral. And in the middle of this city, there was a church That was trying to live the way that God wanted them to live with all of the pressure of being in a wealthy place as well as an immoral place. And so Paul, the writer of this book, with that backdrop, begins to say some things to this church. And so I want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Here's what verse 1 says. Now, regarding your question about food that has been offered to idols... Let's pause there, because here's what's happening. In this culture, there are really two places that you could go and you could get meat. There was the market, 
And that was the normal, traditional place where you would go and purchase meat to have. The other place was the temple. And the temple would often sell meat at a discounted price. And so if you were looking to save a bit of money, you would probably go to the temple to buy your meat instead of in the marketplace. But here's the deal with the meat that was being sold in the temple. It was generally meat that had been used in a food sacrifice. What does that mean? Well, this culture of Greeks and Romans were polytheistic, meaning they worshipped many gods, small g. They had a lot of idols. And so as part of their worship experience, they would come in and they would bring a food sacrifice. That was their custom. That was kind of what they did. And they would bring that to the temple and give that to one of the idols, one of these gods. Well, you can imagine if enough people did this, there would be a lot of food. And in particular, a lot of meat. And so the temple assistants decided, hey, we can make a little money here. And so let's sell the meat after it has been offered to one of these idols. And so that's what they did. And again, it was generally a cheaper price than the meat sold at the market. So you can imagine those who are following God, the one true God in this church that Paul is writing to, there were some of them that said, you know what, it's no big deal. It's just meat. God doesn't care about meat. We're worshiping the one true God. We don't care about these idols. We're not into that. We're not following that. We're not promoting that. We just want meat at a better price. And so, yeah, let's go and let's enjoy that meat and we can have that. But there were others within the church that kind of felt uncomfortable with that. And they were like, you know, I I don't know. This is meat that has been given to an idol and it might not be a great idea for us to buy that meat even though it's a better price. Maybe we should just spend the money and get meat that hasn't been offered to an idol, to a god, that we wouldn't worship. And so there was this tension in the church, the buy meat at the temple group and the don't buy meat at the temple group. And there was all of this debate kind of happening. And for those who thought it was okay, they looked at the other group and said, seriously? That's what my eight-year-old son says to me now. It's like, seriously, Dad? Well, yeah, seriously, Caden. And that's what this group was saying to the group who wouldn't buy meat. Like, seriously? Come on, it's just meat. It's not a big deal. God doesn't care about this. But again, they felt really uncomfortable. And so some divisions and disunity started happening in this church. And Paul begins to address that. Here's actually what he says next. Yes, we know that we have all knowledge about this issue. Well, it's this issue. It's the whole issue of meat. Do we buy meat? that has been sold at the temple to an idol or not. So Paul goes on to say, we know we have all knowledge about this particular issue. That word knowledge there means acquaintance with, means understanding, comprehension. So Paul talks to the church and he says, look, we understand, we have comprehension, we understand the issue here. We get what this is all about, meat being sold at the temple. And then he goes on to say, but while knowledge makes us feel important, and that word important there means proud or arrogant, and the real idea of the language there is that it actually is something that puffs us up. 
So he's saying, we've got knowledge. We have understanding about the issue here. But knowledge is kind of a challenging thing because here's what it does. It makes us arrogant. It makes us proud. And it puffs us up. And that's kind of a bad thing. By the way, knowledge about the Bible, knowledge about God can do the same thing. It can make us arrogant and proud and puff us up. And that's not generally a good place to be. So then Paul kind of closes out verse 1. And I really want you to hear this statement because it's pretty powerful and very unique. So he talks about knowledge, not necessarily a bad thing, but it can puff us up. It can make us arrogant. Here's the deal. It is love that strengthens the church. Big word here. It's the word strengthen in that verse. Do you see that? Here's what it means. It means to build or to construct or to make something more able. So Paul makes a case and he posits that knowledge is okay. And that's not a bad thing. But knowledge can puff us up and make us kind of arrogant. Here's the deal. Love actually strengthens. It builds. It constructs. It is what makes the church more able. So get this. All right, because this is really kind of important. This is the whole deal right here. Knowledge is okay. And it's a good thing. And we should chase more knowledge about God. But knowledge in and of itself actually doesn't build the church. It doesn't do that. What builds the church is love. It's me loving you and you loving me. Knowledge on its own does not strengthen. It does not build the church. Trying to be a deeply spiritual person by gathering a bunch of knowledge doesn't create the type of follower that Jesus wants. I want to say that again. Trying to be a deeply spiritual person by gathering a bunch of knowledge doesn't create the type of follower that Jesus wants. It just doesn't do it. Knowledge kind of falls short. What Jesus wants are individuals who will build the church. By the way, God really loves the church. He just does. The church is kind of a big deal to him. And what he's looking for are individuals who will strengthen, who will construct, who will make the church more effective, more successful, more able. And what does that? Well, love does that. Love strengthens. It builds, it constructs. It makes the church more able. That's deep. That's actually a very deep thing. And a very challenging thing because it's really difficult to love other people. It's difficult to pull this off. But boy, does it stand out when we do it because it's very counterculture. So I want to put that whole verse together. Let's read it. Now, regarding your question about food that has been offered to idols. So that's the issue. Paul says, we know that we have all knowledge about this particular issue, but while knowledge makes us feel important, puffs us up, it is love that strengthens the church. So I think the challenge for all of us as part of the church, as part of this faith community, is that we lean into love because this is what makes the church more able. I want to be part of a church that is really able to do some incredible things for God. Kind of push back the darkness and make a difference in the community where it lives and around the world. 
And I think you want to be part of a church that is able that way as well. By the way, God wants his church, which he loves and is a big deal to him, to be able. And knowledge is good. We need to chase that. We've got to balance that with love because it's actually love that makes the church able. This is the thing. This is the secret sauce, so to speak. So I want to share with you the three ways I see this happening here at Valley Point Church. And that while we're chasing, chasing, uh, deepening our friendship with God, and I hope that you're joining me in that chase, and I know many of you are, and while we're chasing that, deepening our friendship with God, we need to do it with more than just facts and stats about God. We need to do it with action. And love is what provides that platform for us, and that is what makes the church able. So I want you to be encouraged because I see a lot of wonderful things happening here. So what I want to do is I want to share with you the three things I love about what is going on around here that plays into this, and then that will lead into what I want for all of us, okay? So number one, I love you digging into Scripture outside of Sunday morning. I just love that. And I see a growing number of people really getting serious about digging into Scripture and doing that outside of this particular hour. If the only time you ever ate was Sunday morning, physically, you would be in a lot of trouble. You know, at some point on Sunday evening or Monday or, you know, we're all wired differently this way, but at some point we're just going to be in trouble and we're not going to be able to make it. Without food, we run into trouble. But yet we do this spiritually all the time in our friendship with God. We get a little meal or an appetizer or whatever you want to call it on Sunday morning. We look at scripture, we dive in, and we say, here's what God wants us to do, and here's how God wants us to live. And then we kind of go Monday through Saturday, and we never feed ourselves spiritually again. That's a problem. And if we do that, we will starve spiritually. We will put a lid on our spiritual growth, and God doesn't want us to do that. And I see, and I'm so encouraged with the fact that there are a growing number of people around here who are saying, I've got to spend time in Scripture on my own, kind of feeding myself. And this is a habit I must develop. And I want to say to you, if you chase that and if you develop that, you will deepen your friendship with God without a doubt. It will happen. We just walked through life verse in the month of January. And so many of you participated in that. And I love when people come and talk to me or shoot me an email. And they say, you know what, I've got my verse or my verses. And I've got my time, my place, and my plan. And I can't wait to implement all of that. And I think that is so encouraging. Don't stop. Don't stop. Because quite honestly, it becomes easy to stop and drift and do other things and kind of forget about all of that and assume that I can just pick up a little bit of food on Sunday and survive. We really can't. So don't stop. Regular time with God will transform us. I need that, and you need that. And again, I see a growing number of people here who are not satisfied with just getting spiritual food on Sunday, and that's great news. Second thought. I love how we welcome people here and have a respect for wherever you may be on your spiritual journey. Just love that. And I really do consider this to be one of the strengths of Valley Point Church, that we open the doors and everyone is welcome. It doesn't matter who you are, 
where you've come from. We don't care about any of that. We just want you to be here because we sense God has a specific plan and purpose for your life, and we want to help you with that journey. There are some people who have been here at Valley Point for a long time, and they trusted in Jesus alone to save them many years ago. They've been walking with Christ, and they're welcome, and we love that those individuals are here. And we have people somewhere in the middle of that, and then we have people who are here who are kind of kicking the tires on the whole God thing and aren't so sure and kind of have some questions and doubts, and we're really glad that they're here as well. We open the doors, and we welcome everybody, and we have respect for wherever you may be on your spiritual journey right now, but we do want to challenge you to take another step. And this is happening here. And I get emails and responses from people who come and experience Valley Point. And I love these notes. And I know we don't always get this right, okay? We're not a perfect church. We don't always get it right. But we want to get this right. We work hard at it. We talk about it and constantly tweak our systems and trying to make sure that we're really welcoming in the right kind of way. So let me share with you a couple of emails that I think will encourage you. Because I can't create this atmosphere on my own. I'm I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not spiritual enough. I just can't. It takes a whole group of people creating this type of space. And it's happening. So let me share a couple of notes with you that I think you'll really enjoy. This note says, hello, Eric. Thank you so much for reaching out to me. I just received the brochure and the gift card, and I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed the last two Sundays at Valley Point. I have never gone to church my whole life, and religion just simply never played a role in my upbringing. I never knew what to believe because I was never educated about anything other than the fact that there was supposed to be a God and that it was nice to say grace when grandmom came over for the holidays. (laughs) Right? You at least have to say grace for her, don't you? So the person who invited us when they did that and they asked my husband and I to join her, at a new church she found. I didn't really know what to think, but I figured I'd give it a try, spend some time with her and see what it's all about. Little did I know that I'd be getting chills, feeling emotional and thinking about the overall message all week after. I have noticed myself questioning a lot about religion lately and thinking about the message and the genuine relationships that seem to be present at Valley Point, and it is something that I'm genuinely interested in pursuing I'm looking forward to experiencing and learning more at Valley Point and hopefully gain new relationships from it all. You are all so passionate about what you do, and it really shows. So thank you, church, for creating an environment where people can experience and communicate that. Great job. Here's a second note. I'm 34 years old, and I've been going to church my entire life. Today I cried at church. It was the first time... I cried out of joy and relief. I cried because for the first time in 34 years, I'm at a church that I'm excited to go to where I know I will learn and grow. I cried because a place like Valley Point does exist. It's not some unattainable dream. I cried because after 34 years, I'm where I want to be and where God wants me to be at the same time. So thank you, church for creating an environment where people can feel and experience and communicate that. And I love how we welcome people here and how we open the doors and we have respect for wherever people may be on their spiritual journey. It's a great thing. So number three, I love the incredible displays of generosity here. And there's not really much more I can add to that 
you are so generous with your time and with your resources and we set goals and we tend to blow through all of our goals and it's an amazing thing to watch and fun to be a part of and I hope that you've been energized as you have experienced that in the past as well. I just want to encourage us all to hold everything with open hands and let's continue to look for ways to be generous with what God has given to us. And I think we'll see and experience God do really amazing things through us, as he already has. So I love the incredible displays of generosity here. Now, here's what I want for us. All right, I'm going to take those three statements, those three things I said I really love about what's happening here, and I want to kind of craft some statements based on what I just shared. So here's what I want for all of us. Here we go. A growing sense that God's word is more than a good book. And again, I see this happening here. Now, this is more than just really wonderful words that somebody packaged and put together. Now, these are actually the words of God, and this is what he wants us to know. It's an instruction manual to guide us through life, all of the ups and downs. And I see that thirst happening here. This is more than a good book. Secondly, I want for us a dynamic place where everyone is welcome, and they know it. And they feel it. And we have more and more emails like that where people are just expressing, you know, and I wasn't sure what to expect, but I came, and I don't know how to describe it necessarily, but I want to go back. I want to be a part of that. And then thirdly, what I want for us is generosity that flows from an understanding that being generous is an appropriate response to God's grace. And that's really the bottom line on generosity, by the way whether we want to be generous or not with our time, with our resources, ultimately we can step back and say whether I, I want to do this or not, this actually is an appropriate response to the grace that God has extended to me, which I cannot earn and which I do not deserve. And yet God just graciously loves me. So my only appropriate response is to say, all right, then I will be generous with what God has already given to me and I'll give back to him of my time and of my resources because that's how God's kingdom moves forward. It's the only appropriate response to God's grace. Now, a growing sense that God's word is more than a good book and a dynamic place where everyone is welcome and an appropriate response to the grace of God. I believe if we do these things, again, this is what I want for us. If we live these principles out and we really lean into this, that love will strengthen the church. I, without question, if we just engage in these activities... A growing sense that God's word is everything and creating a welcoming atmosphere and an appropriate response to generosity. We really lean into that. I believe, without a doubt, that love will strengthen, and again, that means to build, to construct, or to make the church more able. Let's not forget the church is a big deal to God. It's everything to him. And he's given us a way to make the church very effective and successful and able and it really comes down to letting love strengthen the church. It's me loving you and you loving me and all of us loving each other and loving those who aren't even here yet. Again, that's deep. If we just did that, that's pretty deep. And boy, does it really stand out. So let's let love make the church more able. All right, this is doable. This is very doable. And again, there's some wonderful signs of that happening here at Valley Point Church. So I want you to be encouraged with that. I want to share some confessions with you now. Can I do that? You okay with that? 
That's why some of you are here. You didn't care about the first part. Like, let's just get to the dirt, right? So I want to share these confessions with you because it's part of my heart and what God is doing inside of me. And I think it's a way for you to get a picture of that. And it comes out of a heart that loves you, really. I do. I love Valley Point Church. love this place and what's happening here. And I want to lead the way. I'm letting love strengthen and build the church. And I think when we confess to each other, when we're just transparent and honest, that's a really good thing. So a couple of confessions. Actually, last week I said I had two confessions that were part of my plan. I actually expanded that to four. So I had, a, I had a bad week, right? So I got more to confess, and so we're up to four, but I'm capping it at four, otherwise we're going to be here a long time. So uh, let me begin with confession number one. This is kind of a softball, okay, just to start the process here. This is a really easy one to confess. Here it is. Number one, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be in the next Rocky movie called Creed. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's going to happen, and I, I want you to know about that before you see me on the big screen I have submitted my resume. I want to be the next Father Carmine in the Rocky movie. And they haven't contacted me yet, which I'm a little disappointed with because I thought that would happen right away. But I'm taking a positive path on this, and I think they're going to call at some point, and I'm going to be in the next Rocky movie. All right? That's my first confession. All right, out of the way. I feel a whole lot better. All right, let's get down to business. Here's the next confession. I worry a lot about something. I really do. And it's interesting because Scripture is clear that we're not supposed to worry. We're not supposed to do that. As a matter of fact, Scripture tells us you put off worry, and in its place you put on prayer. You put on taking that thing, that worry, that concern, and placing it at God's feet. That's the beautiful thing about Scripture. We're often told what to put off in our life but whenever we find that, we're always told what to put on in its place. Because when you put off, you've got to put something on. So I know I'm not supposed to worry. God doesn't want that for me. But yet I worry a lot about something, and I try to take it to God and give it to him. But I don't know if I'm that good at it. And so I want to confess that to you. And I want to share that particular worry with you because I think there's, all, there's something all of us can do to kind of help with that. So here's the one thing I worry a lot about. I believe that the devil, who is the great enemy of God, and and God does have an enemy who wants to undermine everything that he does. And scripture describes him as a thief and a liar, and he comes in and tries to steal everything from us and just ruin our relationship with God, ruin churches just so that they're not effective. And so my worry is that God's great enemy is offended deeply by what Valley Point Church is doing, and he is offended deeply at the bright light that we are in this community, and that's growing and certainly taking us to places around the world like the Dominican Republic. I think the devil is deeply offended by that, and he's not going to sit still. He will do everything he can to... Steal, kill, and destroy what's happening in this place. And that really concerns me. And I worry about that quite a bit. So I think the challenge for us is, let's do this. As we think about 
God's great enemy who doesn't want people coming here, doesn't want us to open the doors and welcome people, doesn't want generosity flowing from this place. If he can kill all of that, then he's won. So in order to fight all of that, it's vitally important that we stay very humble as a church. And I'll be honest with you, we've had some success here. We've grown and God's using us to make a difference and people call us sometimes and ask us questions about what you're doing and how are you doing that and where'd that idea come from and that's kind of fun and energizing to talk about those things. But as leaders and as a church, we really need to stay incredibly humble because we have an enemy who wants to knock us all off of whatever success God may be giving to us. And so let's stay very, very humble. And I'm saying this to myself as well. Let's stay very, very humble. Let's let love cover a multitude of sins. And let's love each other because, as we've discovered, it is love that makes the church more able. So I worry about this, and I know I'm not supposed to, and I shouldn't, and i got to give it to God, and I need to do a better job of that, and feel free to call me out on that. But I worry about this great enemy of God who would love to destroy everything that's happening here. And that could happen quickly. So let's stay humble. And again, let's let love cover a multitude of sins. Here's the next confession. I'm not perfect, all right? I'm not. And here's the good news. Many of you already know that because you've experienced some of my imperfections. And I want to thank you for loving me through all of that. I'm really grateful. And I also want to let you know, I don't feel pressure from you or from Valley Point Church to be perfect. I really don't feel that pressure. And that's wonderful. I'm thankful for that. I've got a lot of pastor friends, and many of them do feel that pressure from their church and from their congregations, that they've got to look right and dress right and say all the perfect things, and they can't honk at people. I feel really bad when I honk at people in my car. I said, it really bothers me. I honk. I'm like, oh, I shouldn't do that because they're probably from Valley Point and they're going to yell at me. That's why I don't put Valley Point stickers on my cars. I, you know, you guys are brave. I encourage you to do that, but I'm not going to do that so I can still honk. But I feel really bad about doing that because you know, there's pressure to be perfect and to act in such a way that nobody could ever say anything bad. And that's just not the reality of who I am. I am not perfect and I make mistakes. And I want to let you know, I will disappoint you. I will. At some point, I will disappoint you. And if I haven't yet, hang in there, because I am bound to do that at some point. Or someone else here at Valley Point will disappoint you. It is bound to happen, and that will take place. But we're a family. And I like saying that about us here at Valley Point. We're a family, and we're a faith community. And families have their imperfections, and they have their issues, and their problems, and their sin. But families stick together, and they work through those imperfections, and they love each other along the way. And so I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, but let's let love strengthen and make the church more able. Here's the final confession, and that is I I know I don't pray for you enough. And I've been thinking about this one recently, especially from last week when I talked about the different groups that are represented here. 
And after I gave that talk and I was back in my office preparing for this week, it occurred to me that I really don't think I do a very good job of praying for the different groups that are represented here at Valley Point. It really began to bother me. Like, I'm, I'm supposed to be doing this. Like, I'm kind of paid to do that, actually. And so I should probably kick it up a notch. And God really began to work in my heart to say, you need to do a better and more effective job of praying for the different groups. And so I have a prayer journal. That's just something that works for me. And I pray for different things on different days. And so I have started to put these different groups into the different days to say, I want to pray for our students and for our singles and for our parents and for our 60-plus crowd and other groups that are represented here. And I've got to really do a better job of that. And I know I haven't been good at that in the past. I want to confess that to you and say my commitment going forward is that I want to do a much better job of praying for you as a church and the different things that you experience and the different challenges that you encounter. And and I want to ask this of you. I want to ask you to pray for me and to pray for my family as well and to pray for the other leaders and the other staff here at Valley Point Church because, again, God's got this great enemy. And if he can take down leaders, those who are striving to do their best for God, then, again, he can really make a mess of things. And we want to guard against that. And so I really covet your prayers for me and for my family. I tell you what, it does an awful lot when... You know, when I'm here on a Sunday and uh, somebody just comes up and says, you know what, I've been praying for you this week. And, uh, boy, that does a lot on the inside to just make you sense that, okay, I've been called to do something unique for God. And um, I can't do this alone because, you know, I'm not perfect, and uh, I will mess up and fail. But to know that there are just a lot of great people praying for me personally and, and praying for my family and praying for the other leaders here at Valley Point is so vital. And so I want to challenge you that while I'm committing to really stepping up my prayer efforts for you, I would covet the same from you. And let's pray for each other, knowing, knowing That love is what makes the church more able, and we all want a more able church. Two takeaways. Number one, balance knowledge and love. Tried to walk through a way to do that. By the way, I would encourage you to read through the rest of 1 Corinthians chapter 8, because what Paul, the writer, does after verse 1, and after talking about the meat issue, and he paints this broad stroke of how to resolve that with love, making the church more able... He really gives some practical advice on how these two groups can work together and figure it out, and you might be surprised at what you read there. So I would encourage you to do that on your own because, again, it helps us balance this knowledge and love. Let's do that. And then secondly, let's choose to be a part of strengthening the church. I'm choosing to be a part of that. And I hope today that you'll choose to be a part of strengthening the church. And again, the way that happens is when we love. It's me loving you, you loving me, us loving each other, and even loving those who aren't here yet. Let's pull that off. And I think God will be very happy with Valley Point Church. So God, we just step into your presence, and we're thankful for a few moments to look at what is a unique piece of Scripture. One little verse that talks about meat. Kind of interesting. But yet in talking about that, Paul, the apostle, the writer there, gave a great challenge 
to a church that had some struggles and had some issues. And the challenge for them was to gain knowledge. That's okay. It's good. But knowledge in and of itself does not build the church. Love strengthens and makes the church able. God, I stand before you today as the pastor of Valley Point Church in front of these wonderful, marvelous, gifted, talented people who you love and I love. And I want to commit today to making a church that is able That's what we want. So God, help us to work at that, knowing that we get sidetracked and sometimes there are challenges and we need to stick together as a family and work through all of that because we want to be a part of a church that is making a significant difference. God, I would pray for everybody in the room that's here. Give them a wonderful day. God, would you help us to be cognizant of the fact that you have a great enemy who would love to destroy the work that's happening here sidetrack us in a number of ways and take down leaders destroy marriages upset the goodness that's happening here so God would you help us to stay very humble and help us to work hard at discovering where you're at work and may we join you there God we don't want to ask you to join our plans We want to be ready to abandon everything to chase what you want and to follow you because that's where the action is and that's where churches that are able are finding themselves. So we want to get there. Help us to do that. God, help us to balance knowledge and love. We need to know more things about you. That's great, but help us to also love knowing that will strengthen the church. So God, help us to make that commitment today. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.